Hey guys, this is the New Heights Church Podcast, and we just want to welcome you and thank you for joining us today. We hope this message inspires and encourages you. Here at New Heights, we exist to love people and point them to Christ. Enjoy today's service. Amen. Praise the Lord. Open your Bible to the book of Acts. The book of Acts, chapter number 16. I'm going to continue talking this morning on a topic that, that you ought to fall in love with. Everybody say kingdom. kingdom. Come on, let's say it strong. Kingdom. You can go to church all over the planet and not hear a message on kingdom. And I don't understand that. The reason I don't understand that is because Jesus talked almost exclusively when he taught on kingdom. Because in the body of Christ, if you can't understand kingdom, you can't understand much about what the Lord talks about. I'm going to say a few things just to catch us up. But to start with, Jesus didn't die on the cross just so you can go to heaven. I'll clarify. I want to make that, I want to make that point right here at the very beginning. Because the plan of God was not for humans to be in heaven. The plan of God is found in Genesis 1 and 2. The plan of God was for humans to have dominion on planet earth. In other words, God rules and reigns in the heavens. The heavens are another dimension that we can't see right now. But the scripture makes it clear that everything that can be seen comes from the unseen realm. Let me just say that differently. We did not create the unseen realm. We were created from the unseen realm. Because if we created the unseen realm, we created God and we're in control. But if God created us, we need to find out what God says about us so we can figure out how to fix us. Come on, somebody. If you Listen, if you got a busted watch, you don't take it to the auto shop. You take it where the watch was created and you ask them to fix it. So you and I, we have to go back to the watchmaker so that we can be uh, reworked and and in reality remade. See, when you become a Christian, you become a citizen of a new kingdom. But as a believer, you have to understand kingdom to understand what your citizenship actually means. Because as a citizen of a kingdom, you have some rights. And the rights are not predicated upon what you think. They are predicated on what the king says. So in a republic like the United States of America, God bless America, in a republic, we have what we call a democracy. We vote in people and we ask them to represent us. And the people are supposed to be the ones who set the laws based off the representatives that we vote into office. Then we vote in a president and we ask the president to uh, make big decisions and help and lead us. And then if we don't like the president, we vote the president out. But in a kingdom, you don't vote anybody in or out. In a kingdom, what the king says becomes law. So in a kingdom, the king has the ultimate authority. If he says, we're going to start calling Tuesday uh, tamale, we're going to start calling Tuesday tamale. And that becomes law. I'm going to actually see if we can't get that handled. (laughs) Because whatever the king says goes. Matter of fact, there was a a guy in the Bible called Nehemiah. And and he was the cupbearer for a king. 
And the Bible says that as the cupbearer of the king, he heard one time that the walls of Jerusalem had been torn down and it grieved him in his spirit. And when it grieved him in his spirit, he went to the king and he said, King, he said, can you please uh, uh, let me go rebuild the walls of the city of Jerusalem? And the king says, absolutely. He says, matter of fact, he said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to send you with some letters so that everybody that sees you along the way gives you safe passage. And I'm going to send you with some other letters so that all the materials you need, listen to this, out of my kingdom, you can have all the materials you need to to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. He said, and if anybody stops you, you just show them what the king said, because what the king said has precedence over everything else in a king's kingdom. So you got to find out as a citizen, what does the king say about you so that you can determine what your rights are because your rights are not just what you think. Because what you think will lie to you and what you think will change over time. Oh, you remember when you didn't have kids and you figured you were already the best parent on earth? Then you had one or two and you were like, I don't even know what to do. Praise the Lord. You started, you started repenting for stuff that you thought about other parents before you were a parent. You started going to restaurants and, and your kids are tearing the curtains off the windows and you're just eating the chips and salsa acting like you can't see it. Come on, you're Googling where the kids eat free on a Thursday night. Don't get, don't get silly in church. I know how this whole thing works. You, how, what you think changes. So you have to find something that does not change so that you can recalibrate your thought processes. Let me say it differently. So that you can repent, change how you think. Meta noe in the Greek. Jesus walked around and said, meta noe or repent. The kingdom of God is at hand. You have to change how you think, but you can't just dictate that I'm going to change how I think based off of something that has happened. You have to change what you think. Listen to this. Based on what the king said. So you have to go to the letters. Isn't it interesting that the bulk of the New Testament is actually letters that were transcribed. You have to go to the letters to find out what the king says so that you can determine what your opinion is. I know Valentine's Day just start, uh, just passed, so I'll give you just a couple of things real quick that'll change and rescue your marriage. The first thing you need to throw out of your marriage, are you ready for this? Opinions. Stop having to be right. If you're married, you ought to go to lunch today while the kids are tearing the curtains down. Come on, somebody. Grab hands right there at Taco Cabana. Come on. And you ought to say, I repent for all the times I valued being right more than I valued you. Should I go back to Colorado, Jake? I repent for all the times I valued being right more than I valued you. And so here's what I'm putting on the altar today. I'm putting all of my opinions on the altar. I now choose 
to line my opinions up with God's word. And if I don't know what God's word says, I commit to you and I commit to him to find out what it says. And that will set my opinion, not how I feel in a given moment. That means we don't get to dictate what we like and don't like indefinitely. Because that'll change like the wind. So when you get married, the first thing that ought to die is all your opinions. Now look, I'm not talking about whether or not you like chocolate cake better than vanilla cake. Come on, somebody. Everybody knows vanilla cake is better than chocolate cake. (laughs) Or in my household, carrot cake. Praise the Lord. But what I am saying is you together, listen, you're not trying to be right. You're trying to find right. And now all of a sudden, all those fiery darts that make so much sense to the world, you don't even recognize them anymore. Because when somebody's sitting around at work and you're all eating your Subway sandwich, I must be hungry today. (laughs) You're all eating your, your Subway sandwich. And, and everybody's going, yeah, you know how men are. My husband this, my husband that. And you're sitting there going, no, that's not how mine is at all. And let me tell you something. You ought to say it. Well, it'll be uncomfortable. Yeah. It'll be real uncomfortable for them. Because they just badmouth their husband the whole time with a piece of lettuce in their tooth. You know what I'm talking about? And then all of a sudden you say, my husband's not like that at all. My husband loves me. My husband, now, now, now the truth of it is, is this, your husband's still a, still a human being, still probably going to leave his boots where you don't want him to leave his boots, but you have decided that it is you and him against the world, not the world and you against him. Gentlemen, we don't ride in, in our work trucks all day long and talk about how, you know, our wife complains about everything. Well, what if your wife complains about everything? Water your lawn. What do I mean by that? Well, if the grass is greener on the other side of the fence, you probably haven't watered your lawn in a while. If you got time to complain about your wife, you have time to pray for your wife. When's the last time you walked in and kissed her right on the mouth and said, I love you more than the deserts love rain? You'll stop all that stupidity that these little, you know, whatever things start grabbing everybody's attention. If you would spend the rest of your life loving her as passionately as you thought you were going to love her when you first met her, you'll never have to worry about infidelity in your house. You'll never have to worry about some divine, but you've got to throw on the altar of God all of your opinions and say, my opinions are now dead and gone. I am trusting you and you alone and we will find what is correct. And this house lives on what you say, not based off of how we feel in a given moment. Then all of a sudden life begins to look a little different around the house. You start getting some text messages when you coming home (laughs) right now. Praise the Lord. I'm coming home right this very second because in the kingdom of God, the first thing he instituted was husband and wife because he knew it was going to take strong households to see the kingdom perpetuate down the line. Your kids might not act like they're listening and watching, but they're listening and watching. You raise them up in the way they should go. And whenever they get old, they won't depart from it. 
Well, what happens if they're acting like a rascal? Well, listen, you did too. Isn't it easy to forget what you used to act like when you start acting crazy? I can't believe that. I raised them different than that. Your parents raised you different too. You still did it. Come on, but you're sitting here. I think you ought to just give God a hand of praise for being in church. You could be nearly about anywhere. Everybody say kingdom. So in the kingdom of God, as a citizen, we have rights and we have responsibilities. This is one of the things that I, I feel like is overlooked oftentimes. Because we, we, in today's culture, it's all about me, me, me. But in the kingdom, matter of fact, even when Jesus was asked, how do we pray specifically? He didn't say, pray my father. He said, our father. Because the minute you get in a kingdom, now you're a part of a family. Now you have to enter into the kingdom the same way that you are born into the world. You have to be born again and you were born alone, most of us, and you have to be born again alone. That's a decision you have to make. But the minute you're born again, you are born into a family, which is a part of a kingdom. So it's now, it's no longer all about you. Come on, somebody. Now it's about what we in the kingdom are doing and, and what we are accomplishing and trying to bring people into the kingdom of God. So whenever Jesus was asked, how do we pray? He said, pray this way, pray our father, which art in heaven. Okay. So he just told us where God, the father is. He's in heaven, our father, which art in heaven hallowed be thy name. You're holy, you're separate, you're set apart, you are sanctified, you are true, you never fail. So when you think about God, you're not thinking about Billy down the street. He's not a man that he should lie. He does not sleep and he does not slumber. He's constantly looking over his word to perform it. He is not exactly like you, even though you were made in his likeness and in his image. He is somebody that you can trust above anything and all else. And when you pray, don't talk, don't talk to him like you're talking to just somebody. He's not somebody that doesn't have your answer. He is the greatest thing that has ever existed, that will ever exist. And when you pray to him, no, you are praying to the answer giver. He's a healer. Somebody say, he's a healer. So when you pray, you say, our father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Then he said this, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Let me tell you what religion says. Oh God, take me out of earth and put me in heaven. But Jesus said, Pray that the kingdom would come, would operate here like it operates in heaven. Because God in heaven has everything under control. But earth is not under control. Oh, I know it sounds cute to say God's in control, but God gave man control in Genesis chapter number one and two. He said, mankind, you have dominion. That's why the whole thing screwed up. You think heaven's in disorder? Let me tell you what happens when disorder hits heaven. Like lightning from the sky, everybody that comes against God is flung out of heaven. That's how quick it happens. There was no, there was no 500 year war in heaven. The devil said, I'm going to rise to the side of the north and I'm going to be seated by the right. And all of a sudden God just said, get out of here. Bang. Like lightning from the sky, he hit earth. Pow. 
Because there's no disorder in heaven. So what happens is on planet earth, God gave mankind dominion and authority here. And then sin entered in and mankind's authority was now uh, uh, tarnished and tainted. Because the spirit of God, which is the breath of God, which was blown into Adam's lungs, could no longer live on the inside of man because now man was tarnished by sin and stained by sin. Therefore, the pureness and the wholeness and the beauty of the Holy Spirit could not live in man anymore. Because if you pour clean water in a dirty vessel, the clean water is not clean anymore. Which is why Jesus had to come and wash us, the Bible says, from the inside out with his precious blood, which then makes you a candidate to receive the Holy Spirit. And once you have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, now you have the authority. Authority comes from the word author. In other words, you are authorized by the author to use what the author wrote about your life. Somebody say kingdom. So when you're in the kingdom, you have some rights. When they were asking Jesus, how do we pray? He said, pray that the kingdom would be here, function here, and operate here like it operates in heaven. Because if all you want to do is get to heaven, let me tell you something. The devil wants you to stay here. But if you want to be a Christ one, and under Christian, that's what Christian means, Christ one. When you become a Christian... And you get to revelation of kingdom. Now you understand I am actually here to uh, take over what was stolen from mankind. And then you want to stay here as long as possible. And now the devil hates you. When you get a revelation on kingdom, don't be shocked if all hell breaks loose in your life. I thought this was good news. Well, this is the gospel. What do you, what do you think you were made for? Patty cake? You were made for war. The, the Bible says the kingdom suffers violence. But you and me, us rascals, the violent take it by force. I'm not talking about UFC. Come on, somebody. I saw the look in your eyes. You were like, thank you, Jesus. Set me free. It's not what I'm talking about. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. But you got to know, you start, because let me just say this, listen, listen to this and understand immediately how it's triggered something on the inside of you. When I start talking about this kingdom, something inside of you reacts. Even if you've never heard it before, you lean in just a little bit because you know it's different than normal talk. This is what the devil is terrified of you sharing with your friends and family. You want to talk to them all day long about going to heaven and not burning in hell and all that other stuff, which is all a beautiful benefit to being washed in the blood of Jesus. But when you start talking to them about the kingdom, the purpose that God placed in them begins to ignite again. Now, you can sequester it. You can personally throw a wet blanket on it in your own life and decide to ignore it. But whenever you start getting a revelation on the kingdom of God, something inside you feels purposeful again. And that's why the enemy doesn't want you talking about the kingdom. Because when you start talking about the kingdom, the next question is, what do you mean kingdom? Well, you can't have a kingdom without a king. 
And the devil is a counterfeit king. He's the prince of the power of the air. He's the prince of Persia. He's, he's the, uh, effectively the father of all lies. One, one place it says he's the prince of this world. And so you always hear all these terms of royalty because he's constantly trying to position himself as the royal one. But there is only one royal one. And he's not just, listen to this, he's not just a king, our King Jesus. He's the king of of kings. You are the kings he is king of. Even even the even the people in the room that, 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 that don't get it yet, it's the first time I've ever heard it, they're all sitting there going, Did he say I'm a king? I didn't say it. I repeated it. The Bible said it. The letter from the king said it. I just agree with it. Revelation chapter one says you're a king and a priest. The Bible also says you're a royal priesthood. Now you don't hear those two words together in the world. You hear those two words together in the kingdom. In the world, you hear this. I don't know how much time I got. (laughs) Here's what you hear in the world. Separation of church and state. In the kingdom... You hear royal priesthood. In other words, rulership and church. We vote in unrighteous people. Unrighteous people write unrighteous laws. Whose fault is it? Oh, I disagree with how they talk or how they look or how they act or how they smell or whatever. What laws do they sign? Do they stand on the side of infanticide, the murdering of children, or do they stand on the side of life? If they stand on that side and we vote them in and they continue to perpetuate the murder of babies, whose fault is it? Because in the world, separation of church and state, but in the kingdom, royal priesthood together. Where have we seen this? King David. He was a king and a priest. The Bible said Jesus is going to sit on his throne. Why? Because he's a king and a priest. You start to get a picture of the kingdom and it changes. Listen, if it's just religion, you can turn it off and turn it on. Come to church on Sunday, say amen when I'm supposed to, pay my tithes, go on about my business, and then Monday through Saturday, live how I want, talk how I want, talk about how I'm not going to bring church into the political world, I'm not going to bring church into the family life, I'm not going to bring church on the job side, I'm not going to bring church at the family reunion, I'm not going to bring church to the little league, I'm not going to bring church to the get together, I'm not going to bring church to the movie theater, I'm not going to bring church to this, I'm separating everything. That is how the world acts. But in the kingdom, it's supposed to be a royal priesthood altogether. There is no separate. We don't turn him off and turn him on. This is an all-in situation. And the devil is terrified of the message of the kingdom. Because when you start getting a message of the kingdom, you start walking a little different. He said, I'm a king. You start walking like a king. 
He said, you possess everywhere you put your foot. Well, how do I possess everywhere I put my foot? My daddy owns it. I'm standing on planet earth. The Lord is my father. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. I've never been anywhere that my dad didn't own it. Of course I walk like I got some moxie. He put it in me. Where'd you get it? The Bible says God is my confidence. I remember when I was in sales down in Houston, I was a contractor and I would sit in the parking lot and pray in the Holy Spirit and pray and pray and pray because I was so insecure and so self just to walk in and say hi to somebody. And I started getting a revelation of who I really am. And I would walk in there like, like my name was on the sign. You know what I'm talking about? And everybody said, everybody, they, they look at me different. I said, I said, yeah, I'm here to see so-and-so. Well, you don't have an appointment. I said, well, just tell him I'm here. He wants to see me. They'd come out and say, who are you? I said, I'm the guy you're about to give a bunch of money to. Praise the Lord. Well, come on back just for a minute, I guess. Then they printed out the purchase order. Come on, somebody. Why? Because I'm a king and a priest. Some of you need to get saved from the idea that serving God means you stop being in business. (laughs) God put you in business so the kingdom can actually move forward. So in his kingdom, there's a lot of rights. There's a lot of, but, but we don't turn it off. We don't turn it back on. We don't, it's not a switch that we turn. The world says separate all the decision-making from church. But in the kingdom, you're a royal priesthood. All the decisions are supposed to be made through kingdom filters. What does the king say about this? Then make a decision. What does the king say about that? Make a decision. Once you begin to take that and apply it to your entire life and not just a segment of your life, this is where change comes in. There are people in this church right now that when they came to New Heights Church and they began hearing about loving people and pointing them to Christ, they went all in and they said, I am in all the way. I'm not backing up. And I could give you testimony and can give you testimony after testimony of how they've been through challenges, but God has brought them through it, how he has blessed them, how he has moved them, how he's done great things. And then there are many others that hear the message and maybe one person in the family decides to go all in, but they're dragging that other person the whole time. And then the other person is saying, see, it's not working for me. No, you don't believe it. That's why it's not working for you. Because the Bible is faith activated. If you believe the Bible, you will see the Bible work in your life. If you do not believe the Bible, it will not work in your life. Don't waste your time coming to church if you don't want to believe the Bible. Go and live like the devil and have a good time while you're here because that's it for you. It's the last good time you're going to have is the last breath you take on on, on planet earth. That's the last good time you're going to have. So if you don't want to believe the Bible, don't waste your time in church. Because the Bible is the place where we get together and we get strengthened and we get edified and we get built up to take the kingdom of God outside of these four walls and display him for all to see so that many people will know the saving grace of Jesus Christ. But if you don't believe it, it will not work for you. 
You say, well, I thought God was in control. He's in control, but he gave dominion to human beings and he's not taking it back. That's why Jesus died to save us all, but all will not be saved. You have to decide to believe on him and you will be saved. If you do not believe on him, then you will not be saved. Well, what does that even mean? It means you have the authority in your life to dictate many things. It's not just live and let live in your life. It's not everything that happens to me is supposed to happen to me. That's one of the stupidest things on the planet right there. Everything that happens is supposed to happen anyway. Let me tell you something. Children are never supposed to be abused. So if you're stupid enough to say everything that happens is supposed to happen, you just said that child was supposed to be abused that was abused. I don't mean to be too direct. I just don't want you to live a normal life. I want you to live a kingdom life. When you start recognizing that what comes out of your mouth has a big difference in your life. And what you believe dictates your life. If you believe that God made you sick, how can you believe that God will heal you? The scripture says, make the tree good or make the tree evil. So you have to choose. Even Jesus said, if you're lukewarm, if you're just passive, he said he'll spit you out. This kingdom has rights. And when you become a citizen, you have magnificent rights in the kingdom. I want to share one story really quickly from Acts chapter 16. Then we're going to wrap up today. Everybody say kingdom. Kingdom. Verse 12. And from there to Philippi, which is the chief city of the part of Macedonia and a colony, we were in that city certain days. And on the Sabbath, we went out to the city by the riverside where prayer was wont to be made, where people were praying. And we sat down and we spoke to the women that resorted there. Now think about this. This is the Sabbath, so nobody's working, okay? Or at least no uh, Jews are working. No Hebrew people are working. So they go down to the river. Now, a lot of times we picture the Bible like everybody's doing something all the time. But these were still people. So on a Saturday... It wouldn't be unusual, just like you would want to do, to go down to a park and hang out, to go down to the river and sit around, to go down to the lake, to go wherever you would like to go. And they didn't have TV. You know what I'm saying? They weren't sitting in their in their rooms checking the internet. So they went and they were sitting by the river. There's a bunch of ladies there. They were all sitting by the river. And Paul went out there and a certain woman named Lydia that had her own business, an entrepreneur. She sold she sold purple. She sold fabric of the city. Which worship God, they heard, they heard Paul and her heart, Lydia's heart was open and she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. In other words, she responded to the message of the gospel of the kingdom. And the Bible says she was baptized, verse 15, and her household She besought us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. Now I want to talk about a couple things. She just first said, if you found me to be faithful to the Lord, I want you to come to my house. Well, first off, she just got saved. How can you be faithful if you just got saved? 
But Paul knew the faithfulness of Lydia was not nearly as important as the one Lydia was putting her faith in. Come on, somebody. So she says, can you come to my house? Now, she had just gotten baptized. Why is baptism important? When you got baptized in those days, it marked you. And now, whenever you have made the public display of faith, you have chosen in some instances to give your entire life. Because many people were killing Christians back then. So the concept of being baptized back then was very, it still is today, and especially in other parts of the world. Where when they find out you're a Christian, they'll try to kill you, put lock you up. You know, they'll burn your Bible. They'll do all kind of stuff. So this was what was taking place then. So for Lydia and and her household to get baptized was a very monumental event. It meant I am not what I used to be, and I am trusting the Lord Jesus Christ. Most people were okay with serving Jehovah God, but the minute you started saying the name of Jesus, now all of a sudden you were a problem. So when you get baptized, you have to understand what God intended your baptism to be. God intended your baptism to be a dissection of yourself from the world. I am in the world, but I am not of the world. I am making the public declaration that I serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the Bible says, listen to this, when you're baptized, you are clothed in Christ. So when you go under the water, and this is the reason why we still do the the full under the water deal. When you go under the water, you are completely wet, correct? That is the representation of how much Christ wraps around you. Completely in Christ. The Bible says, uh, and the King James says, you have put on Christ. Now all of a sudden, publicly, you have made the declaration that I am a Christ one. I am now a citizen of the kingdom. I am lay aside, laying aside everything that I was and I'm saying I'm this new thing. Because if you're not a Christian, you are not in a situation where it's like, would you like to live or die? Check yes or no. You are dead already if you're not a Christian. Because in him is life. So when you get in Christ, now all of a sudden you make the decision to be baptized. You go into the water, you put on Christ. Every part of you is enveloped in who he is. You come up and a lot of the junk you were carrying around doesn't come out of that water with you. Oh, it's a natural act, but supernatural things happen when you decide to be baptized. It's a natural act, but supernatural things happen. That's why at New Heights Church, we still baptize that way. And we strongly recommend you bring all your friends and family. Because some of them, if you say, would you come to church with me? They say, what church? They say, New Heights Church. They go, oh, 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 no. (laughs) I heard they lift their hands in there and they shout. Isn't it cool that it's, it's neat to lift your hands and shout at a football game, but not for the God who saved you? Moving on. But you tell your friends and family, would you come? I'm being baptized. You don't even have to tell them it's a new height. It's just how I'll text you the address on the way. <laughs> we'll get them. You got to worry about it. Let the, Holy, let the Holy Spirit get on them. Come on, there's a ghost in this house. The Holy Ghost. 
People say, I don't like the word Holy Ghost. It sounds spooky. Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. Get rid of your opinions. Throw them on the altar of God and find out what God said and then believe it. You invite your friends and family to come and see you be baptized because when you make that public display, something not only happens to you, something happens to those that see you. Now, all of a sudden, they will be confronted with the decision themselves. The Bible says, behold, I stand at the door knocking. Anyone that will open, I will let it in. I will let him in. I'll come into them. So when you and me make that decision to be baptized, we do so publicly. Matter of fact, we have a baptism coming up. The 26th. Not just a baptism. It's going to be a night of worship. Here's what you can tell your friends. You ready? Hey, I'm going to be baptized. Come see me be baptized. And there's a concert. <laughs> Why am I crying? I don't even know. Let God be God. That's why we do all this. You know that, that feeling of, the, here's what the devil will tell you. You can't invite them because what if they start asking you questions you don't know the answer to? Tell them you don't know the answer. Don't be backed in a corner by anything or anybody. Bring them to the house of God. So what, what, what are they going to do there? Well, they're going to sing. They're going to they're going to they're going to read from the Bible. Then I'm going to be baptized. Well, why are you being baptized? Oh, I'm a, I'm a Christian. I'm giving my life to Jesus. He made me new. What do you mean he made you new? Well, I'm a citizen in His kingdom now. Kingdom? What are you even talking about? I'm telling you. You say the word kingdom. Something I I don't I I don't even know if I can fully explain it yet. Maybe one day before I go to heaven at 120 years old, I'll be able to fully explain it. But when you say kingdom, something sparks. Because when you just present him as a parachute to keep you out of hell, it doesn't make you want to live for him. It just makes you want to not go to hell. When you get a revelation on kingdom, you realize hell was never made for humans. Hell was specifically made for the devil and the one-third of heaven that fell. That's, that's what it was for. That's what that punishment was designed for. He said, well, God make hell for the devil. Hey, let me just correct your doctrine here for, real quick too. The devil doesn't rule in hell. He's not like sitting there holding the gate. I got you. Ha, ha, ha. No, he's burning up in the lake of fire when it happens. He is not going to enjoy it. He's not there now. But he's not like the ruler poking everybody with a pitchfork. Ha, ha, ha. Not even close. It's his punishment. And it's not for you. It was never created for you. The earth was created for you. Well, I thought heaven was made for me. Heaven is God's dominion. And you will go there and be with him. And guess what? Then there will be a new heaven and a new earth. Why? Because his plan is for humans to have dominion on earth. In what form? A royal priesthood. No separation of church and state in the kingdom. So Lydia gets baptized and everybody changes. It came to pass that while they were... So Paul and went to their house. Let me just say that. 
verse 16. And it came to pass as they went to prayer, a certain damsel, a young lady that was possessed with the devil, possessed with the spirit of divination. In other words, she was like a fortune teller. Just real quick, I don't have time to explain it. Don't mess with tarot cards. Don't mess with fortune tellers. Don't go see psychics or any of that nonsense. That's all demonic. Don't mess with it. You'll open doors. So this lady had this, was possessed with this spirit that helped her see into the future like a fortune teller. And she was a slave because everybody who serves the devil is a slave, even if they feel free. So, but she also was a slave in the natural and the people that owned her, they, they were like, uh, they would sell her out, you know, there's a word, but I don't want to use it from the pulpit. And, and so they made a lot of money off of her. And this girl followed Paul, verse 17, saying, These men are servants of the Most High God and show the way of salvation. Now that sounds pretty good. But let me tell you something. God will give you discernment because sometimes what people are saying is not what they mean. And discernment is very, very important in your life. Let me just say it. Like this as well. If people that praise you and give you accolades move you, people that criticize you will crush you. You can't let who you are and how you feel be indefinitely dictated by what people are saying about you. Because that changes like the breeze. This lady's running around saying, Paul's a great preacher. He shows the way to salvation. And we're about to find out that Paul doesn't sit there and just deal with this the way that most people think. Well, thank you very much. Let me sign that for you. Paul. And she did it for many days. But Paul was grieved. One translation says he was annoyed. And he turned to her and said to the spirit. I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. And when her master saw that the hope of their gains were gone, they caught Paul and Silas, drew them into the marketplace under the rulers. They took them to everybody that was supposed to be in charge. They brought them to the magistrates saying, these men being Jews do exceedingly trouble our city, verse 21, and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive. Neither do they observe uh, uh, being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them and the magistrates ripped off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. Who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison, into the very middle part of the prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. They, they bound their legs in stocks. And at midnight, somebody say midnight. Midnight's real important because it's as far away from yesterday and as far away from tomorrow as you can get. It's the threshold. It's when you decide to cross over or not. You're going through some things, but you're never going to make it through some things if you keep looking back. And if you're in today and all you're looking at is far into the future, you're never going to accomplish what God called you to accomplish today. But there is a threshold where you have to understand everybody will experience a midnight hour of some kind in their life. Bible says right at midnight, Paul and Cyrus, Silas prayed and sang praises unto God and the prisoners heard them. 
And suddenly, somebody say suddenly. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundation of the prison was shaken. And immediately all the doors, somebody say all. All the doors were open and everyone's bands were loosed. You say, why did God let me get put in this situation? I'll tell you why. So you can set everybody free. Lydia gets baptized. Believes the gospel of the kingdom. And somebody that has a devil starts running around saying, Paul, you're the best preacher ever. Paul, you're the best preacher ever. Paul, you're the best preacher ever. And let me tell you something. When people act too goofy, it turns everybody else off. That's why in the charismatic church, the devil will send people into charismatic churches to try to disrupt them more than almost any other kind of church on the planet. Because in a charismatic church, all of a sudden, everybody just starts turning a blind eye to something that's goofy instead of letting discernment take over in the situation and being bold enough to say, I'm sorry, you can't talk like that. You can't act like that right now. It's not happening right here, right now. Because God is not a God of disorder. So you have to have some discernment in your life because there's going to be some people in your life that say all the right things, but they don't mean all the right things. And if you can't tell the difference, the the cologne that he wears will overpower your decision making. Discernment. As a citizen of the kingdom, you have the ability to discern some things. That doesn't mean you go around, you know, blasting everybody around you. But it does mean that you don't just listen to everything everybody, even if they're saying the right thing to you. Sometimes they just want to try to twist the situation a little bit. Why? Because Paul is starting to bring the gospel of the kingdom to this area. And even the business people are getting saved. Because when the business people start getting saved, now all of a sudden they start making godly decisions. They stop taking advantage of their workers. Come on, somebody. Everything starts to change. They put Paul and Silas in prison. They tell the jailers, you better not let them go. I'm telling you right now, you better not let them go. He said, all right. They put their legs in stocks. But they messed up. Because they didn't tie their hands up. And the Bible says anything that we can touch and agree on. Come on somebody. We can have it. And I can just picture old Paul and Silas sitting there with their feet in stocks. And, 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 and Paul looking over at Silas saying, Silas, what do you want to do? He said, I don't know. Let's pray. And they reached over and they put a hand on each other's hand. Kind of like a, a life group at New Heights Church. If you haven't joined a life group yet, you need to join a life group. And they began to pray. And they began to call on God. And then before you know it, all of a sudden they began to start singing praises to God. And all of a sudden they started shouting. All of a sudden they started singing right in the middle of their situation. They were singing and praying and praising God. And the Bible Bible said suddenly, I don't know who needs to hear this, but you're about to have a suddenly moment in your life in the name of Jesus Christ. You say, you don't understand. I I feel like my feet are stuck. Your feet might be stuck, but your hands can wave. You say, well, they put Paul and Silas in prison. No, they put Paul and Silas and Jesus in prison. What do you mean? The Bible says where two or more gather in my name, there am I. They should have never put Jesus in prison if they didn't want Jesus to set everybody free. 
The Bible says Paul and Silas are sitting there praying and singing. And all of a sudden there came an earthquake and the door swung open and every person there got set free. How did it happen? The gospel of the kingdom, a baptism and a worship service. Next week, the baptism, two weeks, the 26th, let me tell you what we're going to have right here. It's a Wednesday night. Some of you need to move your schedule around to be here on a Wednesday night. It's a Wednesday night. We're going to have baptisms and a worship service. And I'm believing God that there might be an earthquake in the spirit. I'm believing God that everybody that you can get here. It's going to have a suddenly moment when every door that's locked them in swings open. I'm believing God that every person that you can get to this place is going to be changed. But you have to understand kingdom. Because if the gospel of the kingdom was not taken to Philippi, Lydia would have never been saved. And if Lydia would have never been saved, Lydia would have never gotten her house saved. And if they'd have never been saved, they'd have never been baptized. And if they'd have never been baptized, the woman who had the devil would have never been set free. And if she'd have never been set free, Paul and Silas would have never been thrown in jail. And if Paul and Silas hadn't been thrown in jail, Jesus wouldn't have gone to jail with them. And if Paul and Silas and Jesus hadn't gone to jail, every person in the jail would have still been lost and far from God. But because all these things happened and they didn't lose their citizenship in the middle of the valley of the shadow of death, all of a sudden everything began to change. I'm wondering if we can't stop separating who we are from a weekend to weekend and start saying, I'm kingdom 24 7, 365. Because that's when we see change. That's when we see whole households shift. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there are a couple of things that I'd love for you to do. Number one, subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episodes will always be in your feed waiting for you, ready when you are. And secondly, follow us on social media. That is the best way to stay up to date on everything happening at New Heights. We look forward to you joining us next time on the New Heights podcast. And if you are ever in the Bryan College Station area, we invite you to come out to New Heights Church for a live service. I promise we'll make you feel right at home.